there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the win column in the Big 12 standings. It's good to, it's good to be back after a two-game skid. Yeah, so we will be doing an instant reaction to the Kansas State uh, game that just wrapped up in Manhattan. Texas Tech winning 77-63. to we will also touch on the West Virginia game from this past weekend. Since we did not do an instant instant reaction to that game, we'll talk about the upcoming schedule, um, including some halftime performance news that broke this afternoon. If, if you didn't purchase your ESPN Plus subscription, you can still make your money's worth since the next, oh, let's see, two of the next four games are on ESPN Plus. And they will all fall within the month, so you don't have to pay for it once. There was some news that broke uh, Wednesday morning with some football. I guess we'll talk a little bit about the national championship game that happened last night. Dinger Derby, of course. Um, Your questions, what we learned, all good stuff. Before we get into basketball and the instant reaction, if you want to follow us on the Twitter, the show can be found at Two three personnel it's at twenty three personnel. You can follow me at punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Also, I am recovering at a glacial pace over the flu. It's you're sounding pretty good. You're, you're sounding too, pretty strong over there. It. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's a lot better than it was. Um, I, I will, I will have good days and bad days, but this is, is so strange. I've never been sick for this long. I've, I've probably never had the flu before. And for someone that had the flu shot, having the flu for this long, or maybe, maybe it was a flu and then like a sinus infection on top of it, whatever has stretched this thing out to two weeks. It's been brutal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not getting fevers or anything, so I'm, I'm, I've been going to work, which may or may not be helping but like there'll be times in the day where i'll just get like a splitting headache or i'll have taken some medicine to help and it nearly knocks me out i'm like just dragging it's it's not been fun but no and i, I didn't mean to do the announcer jinx like they always do with Moretti, which they when, did tonight yeah when i talked about how strong you sounded and then uh forced you to to cough but yeah the the Moretti jinx i I, I would be willing to bet that 90% of the free throws he's missed has been right before someone talked about how few times he misses a free throw. 
And then even talked about a jinx. Even Fran did the same thing the other night. There's no such thing as an announcer jinx. Clank. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. So Moretti missed a free throw tonight. On his third attempt of three on shooting three, they brought it up like as he's shooting his second one, makes it. They go in depth about hey, you know, he's he's one of the nation's best free throw shooters, never misses. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna invoke the broadcast jinx, clank. Yeah. And then they laughed. <laughs> Look what we did. <laughs> All right, so Texas Tech takes down the Wildcats of Kansas State seventy seven sixty three. That fourteen point victory um was frustrating. I mean, it, it's it's a comfortable win over a bad conference team. You felt you probably could have had at least twice that point differential tonight. At one point in the first half, you had a 15-point lead. Um, and I put the call in, so maybe it's on me for a 40-point win tonight. Um, <laughs> because it looked like like Kansas State was rolling over. They were missing a bunch of stuff. Texas Tech had finally cleaned up the turnovers uh, for a stretch there at the beginning. After they went on that, that 10-0 run, uh, the broadcast took note of this too. Tech had seven straight possessions w- with a turnover. And that's how Kansas State got back into the game and got like to a 10-7 game. Um, Texas Tech was, was rule uh, careless with the basketball tonight. They had oh 16 total team turnovers, um, which was way too many. They had... Um, I can't remember the exact number at the half, but it was probably 10 or 11 at halftime. Um, yeah, the the second half was, they, they cleaned up a little bit, but, you know, to close out that first half was, was rough. That that got Kansas State back in it, and then they, they had a tough stretch the first seven or eight minutes, and I know K-State ran off with a 9-0 run at one point, um, actually took the lead by one. Uh, it was, like you said, it just seemed like Tech was headed to a cruising. You know, they, they they just got to cruising altitude when they were up 32 to 17, and and then just kind of forgot that they still had to keep playing basketball. Um, I I was impressed with Edwards, though. I mean, oh for sure, Edwards He's... Edwards had a huge career night. Yeah, he sets his career high in, in points tonight with 24. Could have had 26. But uh, Chris Beard there at the last last possession called no shots, um, and Edwards was smart enough to take that, even though he was literally the only man on his side of the court. Um, he could have easily scored that and gotten to 26. But as it was, he went 9 of 14 from the floor, shooting greater than 64%, 3, from, three of 4 from 3, and a perfect 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Charity Stripe. Um, other leaders, Davide Moretti had 14 points on five of six. Nope, sorry, that's five of six from the free throw line. Three of six from field goal. All, all six of his shots were threes, and he hits three of them. Um, McCuller was the only other Red Raider in double figures. Nope, just kidding. Jamias Ramsey also had 10. Ramsey had 10. McCuller had 10. Moretti, 14. Edwards, 24. Ramsey, that 10 um, 
it took him 12 shots to get there, and he fouled out. Uh, it was one of five from three. Only got to the line two times and hit one of them. Um, he had his probably his quietest night as a Red Raider. Um, yeah, I think he was frustrated with himself. Is is, is kind of what I I think that's where some of those fouls came from too. They they seem to be just frustration fouls. They I mean they were. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have called him, but yeah, I think that was the first time he'd fouled out all year. Um, somehow this was only Holyfield's second time to foul out all year. Okay, that so was it, what the broadcast guy said, but that doesn't sound right to me. I thought he'd fouled out at least twice before. Well, I, I think the other games where he got in foul trouble, he was held out for so many minutes. He was able to avoid fouling out, but his absence was for such a large portion of the game. His his presence on the his absence was was felt. I would say. Yeah. Um, the other thing I found entertaining there at the end, one the Kansas State fans like to taunt players that foul out by calling out the foot. That the player said was a left, right, left, right, and then sit down when he sits down. Mm-hmm. They did it for both Ramsey and Holyfield. When they did it to Holyfield, there was a minute left in the game, down by fifteen, and you're taunting a player that just fouled out. Like, yeah, I, good. Move, I noticed guys. that too. I, I couldn't move. believe that they were still doing it. It there was probably ten people left. I mean, there was not a lot of people there um, in the arena. But they must have been right next to the ESPN Plus microphones. Oh my gosh, ESPN Plus. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that I was able to pause a streaming, a stream tonight um, and get stuff done and then hit play and then be able to fast forward it. Like, it didn't skip. I never lost my spot, which was refreshing. Um, but having to subscribe to another service was kind of bothersome. And I, I know there are a lot of other tech fans that either weren't aware um, or hadn't been keeping up with, with the basketball schedule to know that, you know, the the game tonight and then a couple more uh, in January will be on ESPN plus. It's another subscription service you have to, you have to pay for. I thought we had it through our Disney plus subscription. We don't not a big deal. It's $5 a month. And like I said, three of the five games, uh, well the one tonight and then two of the next four are also on ESPN plus um, the the last one being home versus West Virginia on the Wednesday, the 29th. So you only have to pay for one month and you get three games. Um, even if you subscribe after this game, you get two games strictly for Texas tech. So it's two fifty a game. That's not a bad pay-per-view price for a game. If you wanted to see this in person would be 40 bucks ahead. Um, Anyways. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was fine. It's just a, another app you've got to download, another account you've got to create, another password you got to keep up with. Just that's just how things are now. But the, I mean, I think the broadcast was fine. The announcers were, they were, they were whatever. Uh, you know, I you mean, never get, you don't always get the best announcers for random college basketball games. Anyway, so the play-by-play but, guy was would be a guy you'd probably get on ESPN. Um, news or something yes uh, he wasn't bad it, it's when they start having to, to reach for these color analysts uh the guy tonight blanks um was a former longhorn player and throughout the broadcast made several comments or statements that you're like he's never seen a tech basketball game before cool <laughs> didn't do any research good work man um anyways 
two of the next four games are on ESPN Plus. If you haven't grabbed it, I I mean it, it's worth it just for the next couple of games. Um, and then just to to cancel it, same kind of thing will come up in, in baseball uh, when we'll probably be telling you guys to to grab Texas Tech TV. I think that's ten dollars a month, um, but you get basically half of the baseball schedule, if not more through that service. Um, anyways, back to the game tonight. Um, we had mentioned you had a 15 point, uh, first half lead. Um, I think Kansas state responded with like an 11 Oh run and then continued that at the beginning of the second half, um, was able there probably middle of the second half, uh, was when they pulled even and pulled ahead. Um, but as the the deeper, more talented team, um, we saw we saw Texas Tech run a, run up against us with Baylor uh, not that long ago. You'd, you'd fight so hard to, to, to pull back uh, within striking distance, and then it just seems like within a blink of an eye, Baylor was able to to regain their two, three, four possession lead. And the same thing happened with Texas Tech. It very quickly went back up to an, an eight-point lead and then stretched out to 11 and then into the game at 14. Um, once Texas Tech settled after Kansas State taking the lead there, it really never felt in question. Um, Kansas State on, on the defensive side was able to give Texas Tech a lot of fits. Obviously, when you when you commit uh, 16 turnovers, um, that's that's above average for Texas Tech. Uh, the Kansas State defense there was able to to get the Chris Beard motion offense flustered a few times. You saw them rushing around, uh, being careless, making really bad passes. Um, it just wasn't enough from the Kansas State offensive side. Obviously, credit to the Texas Tech defense, Mark Adams there, for keeping them at 63 points. Um, ironically or coincidentally, both teams shot 47% from the field. Kansas State did it on 36 shots. Uh, Texas Tech put up 53. Yeah, this was, I wish I could remember the stat, but, and I, I don't have access to it, but something they kept pointing out on the broadcast was how many points Tech scored tonight off of second chance shots. And, you know, Tech out rebounded. Kansas State, at least on the offensive boards, for sure. Um, they hey, defensive boards were were dead even at 17, but uh, Tech had 14 offensive rebounds. K State had six. So, in a lot, I, I don't say a lot of them, but um, you know, McCuller had four of those. McCuller was really, it, you know, he was in the paint. He was working. He was getting some, um, you know, some layups and some second shots himself. He was just getting getting some work done down there. And I, I was really impressed with that, but you know, for, for tech to shoot that many more shots than their opponent, you know, 53 versus 36, they were really able to get some stuff done on the offensive side and, and really fight for some rebounds. Probably the first time I've seen them do something, you know, do it that well this year. Yeah. And, and I, I was kind of making a joke when you were, you were going through that Texas tech out rebounded a team. Uh, that won't <laughs> yeah. happen many times this season. So when it does, you, you guys take advantage of it. Total rebounds for Texas Tech tonight, 31 to Kansas State's 23. At one point in the first half, and it, may have, it, it was close to halftime. 
but Texas Tech had as many offensive rebounds as Kansas State had total rebounds, meaning that Texas Tech had that many more opportunities when Texas Tech missed a shot to get points again within that same possession. Um, As Michael said, Texas Tech had 14 total offensive rebounds to Kansas State's six. Um, Kansas State had 17 defensive rebounds. You also had 17, but you had almost as many offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities um, as they did rebounding the ball off of a miss, which again allows you to put up 17 more shots than Kansas State. Um, you both, like like we said earlier, 47%. You shot much better from three than they did. You shot nearly 40%. They shot under uh, under 30. Um, and then both teams, they they shot a a handful more free throws than you did. They had 30, 40, or 26. Um, you were more efficient with it. You shot 77% where they shot 74. Um, you did what you were supposed to do against a, a team like Kansas State. Um, you obviously will, will take a road win in the Big 12 any night of the week, uh, even against a Kansas State. You, you can't be dropping games um, against a team like this and expect to be competing for anything meaningful there towards the end of the season. Um, as Michael pointed out, as the top of the show, this gets you back on the winning side. Um, it brings you to 2-2 two and two in conference play. Kansas State falls to 0-4. Uh, remember last season, Kansas State only had four total conference losses on the season. They're already there after the first four. Your next upcoming schedule, you've got some opportunity to uh, make up some ground on those those two early losses. You will host Iowa State this weekend. Um, obviously, any game at home you feel really good about. Um, you go to TCU Tonight, they are down nearly 30 points on the road to West Virginia. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that if you didn't. Yeah, current score is 71 to 45. TCU had take, has taken advantage of, of a, a favorable schedule so far. Uh, they started the, the, they started conference play 3-0. Um, but I think, one, it's difficult to go on the road to Morgantown, obviously. Everybody knows that. You, you had your struggles there this past weekend. Um, them losing to to West Virginia wouldn't have been that big of a surprise, but losing by 30 points maybe says that TCU wasn't as good as their the record was showing uh, so far. Um, but you'll have a chance next Tuesday night um, in Fort Worth, and then between that TCU game, you'll 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 host West Virginia the, the following Wednesday. But next weekend, you will also host Kentucky for your final non-conference game until the tournament, um, which will be just a lot of fun. But you, you've got opportunity here um, to make up a little bit of ground. I I do want to go back and talk about uh, Saturday's game for a little bit. You lost on the road in Morgantown, 66-54. to 54. Um we were kind of joking a little, a little minute ago about how Texas Tech actually out-rebounded somebody. Um, West Virginia was able to absolutely dominate the paint with their size. They they affected your offense in a big way. They kept you out of the paint. They blocked a lot of shots. Um, and then once you did put up a shot, they were more than likely coming down with a rebound if you missed it. 
Um, Moretti finished the game with 16 points on six of 13 from the field, four of nine from three. Didn't didn't shoot any free throws. Yeah, I, I thought was a, that was odd. There was a massive disparity in in free throw attempts in this game, um, and it had absolutely everything to do with what West Virginia was dictating when they were on defense to keep you out of the paint. They they kept you from being aggressive and driving more so than an issue with officiating. Sure. Well, and and Moretti was he was on fire from at the start. At least, you know, at the beginning of the game, he was hitting hitting quite a few shots, which was, you know, just a welcome sight from most of us tech fans. He's he's been in a slump, what feels like the majority of the year, and I'm hoping that, you know, that game in Morgantown and, and tonight he shot pretty well, that he's going to kind of regain his confidence and his and uh, his ability to to make those outside shots. So, I mean, that was notable that he was the high point after having such a you know, a tough go of it. And then the other thing, I I didn't get to just sit and watch the entire game. So I know Holyfield was in foul trouble, uh, but he had, so he had three fouls, he had two turnovers and zero points in 11 minutes. Was, did you get to watch the entire thing? Did, did Beard just practically set him down and that was that? From my recollection, he did not play a whole bunch um, obviously, when you only, you only count eleven minutes in a forty-minute game, um, and you're a starter, yeah, yeah, you would think as a starter, as one of your only big men, um, he he just he just wasn't making much of an of an impact, except for picking up quick fouls, um, and then obviously you saw Chris Beer with a quick hook pulled him out, and then he basically sat. I know there were large, long stretches of the game where you went exclusively five guards. Where you're saying, okay, West Virginia, you're gonna try to, you're gonna try to keep us out of the paint with your size. We're gonna try to combat that with speed and athleticism and quickness. Um, so you saw guys like Holyfield not get a ton of minutes because, you know, you saw um, Ramsey, McCuller, Clark, Moretti, um, Nadolny, like they were all out there at the same time, uh, and you just didn't you didn't have the size to compete with them. And when you tried, it wasn't really working. So Chris Beard obviously was looking for something um, to negate their size. And he was going to go with speed. Holyfield only played 11 minutes. Um, another game where like, like we, like we pointed out before he just picks up a lot of quick fouls. Then he sits for a long, long stretch of the game. Um, West Virginia was able to hold Texas Tech to only 32% shooting um, and 24% in the second half. It it wasn't um, really out of hand at halftime, but when, when a defense clamps down on you and only let, allows you to make one out of every four shots in the second half, you're not making up much of any of, of a deficit. West Virginia yeah, shot the- nearly 50% in the first half. And thirty three percent in the second half. So yeah, the I think they went with the small. They went with a small lineup right before halftime, and it, I think it kind of caught West Virginia off guard a little bit. And then I think they adapted to it in the second half. Yeah. So for the game, Texas Tech only shot twenty eight percent, where West Virginia shot forty two. And then when we talked about rebounds, they out rebounded you forty six to thirty three. 
Um, the, your 33 rebounds is more rebounds than you got tonight, but obviously when you give up 46, West Virginia was able to do a lot with those. Um, surprisingly, Texas Tech had more points in the paint despite what I just said about West Virginia going with their size. Um, yeah, this didn't make any sense to me. I'm not sure how this worked out, but yeah, Tech ended up with 28 in the paint and West Virginia had 26. It's not like it was a big disparity, but I figured it would be. You know, for sure. And then West Virginia was able to get a lot of production off the bench with 41 points coming off the bench um, to Texas Tech's 15. Yeah, uh, and that's, you know, with Shannon out, uh, he was out that game, he was out tonight too. I can't remember what he tweaked. Do you remember, Spencer? Um, it was it's like a quad or a back or it, it I, seems like a muscle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I know that he was – And I, I miss it on the broadcast, but Labar said that he had ran up to the scorer's table like he was going to check in, and then Beard pulled him back. Um, so I, I don't know if that was Shannon trying to sneak into the game and say he was ready to go. Or if Chris Beard thought better of it once, once they got into the game. Um, but hopefully Shannon's back. Uh, there, there have been some some strange rumors that Joel and Tomboy's uh, eligibility waiver may be getting a second glance from the NCAA. That he may be hearing back, possibly this week, that he's able to play um, here pretty soon, which would be be pretty big uh he was a athletic big at nevada able to put up uh you know a a dozen points and grab a lot of rebounds also about this point we're we're looking to get an update about tyreek smith and his leg his foot um to see if he he would be able to come back another big to add back into the lineup um one i'm not sure the validity of these rumors to say, you know, if in Tom Boy's coming back or not, um, or what kind of impact they can have having not played for half of the season, uh, looking at, you know, the final dozen or so conference games. Um, but you wouldn't turn down any extra production coming off the bench. Um, so if, if one or both of them are eligible, I would expect Chris Beer to, to work them in. Um, I just don't know if and when we would expect to hear anything on Joel and Tomboy. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. Uh, I'm hoping there's some truth to those rumors. And, you know, we could use Smith. He's, you know, 6'8", 205. He's pretty light, but he's athletic. Um, And I I think he could could, uh, take over for Ramsey, who always somehow ends up on defense under the basket. But Ramsey's doing well. I mean, he's he's holding his own down there, but it's just kind of odd how that that happens a lot on those rotations. Yeah, I mean, outside of tonight where he only scored the ten and then fouled out. Um, okay, so I think we've already kind of keyed up the upcoming schedule this weekend, home again versus Iowa State. We saw some uh, some news come out this afternoon about who the halftime performer is going to be, Michael. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our, our good friend, I'm just kidding. I don't, 
I don't know the guy at all. But Davis Smith, the gorilla lawyer, he um, he's bringing Vanilla Ice to Lubbock, guys, and he's he's going to perform at halftime of the Iowa State game this Saturday. So, all you people like me who grew up in the '90s, you're you're going to um, you're going to have some nostalgic feels or a chance <laughs> or a chance for some. Uh, but anyway, it's it's pretty interesting. I'm I forgot. Uh, there's a video that he shot that has him just talking about him coming and he says something like we're going to go full gorilla on this and i don't <laughs> i'm not sure what that what full gorilla means but I, i'm ready to find out and i i wish i'd have gotten because my wife and i always get tickets for a few games because child care is such a big deal to try to plan ahead of time so we didn't get tickets for this one and now i'm wishing i had i i may i may see if samantha's available um, to hold down the fort and for me to sneak out and go to that game. Yeah, um, 3 p.m. That's a pretty good time. You know, that might be nap time. You might could run out, watch a game real quick, come back. Use that media pass that I have. Yeah, you haven't used it yet, have I, you? I need to figure out. I, I don't know. I haven't yet. I wouldn't even know where to go, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was told where to go into, like which door to go into. Um but I'd almost like want to show up and kind of see another media member walk in and like, I kind of trail them in just yeah. so I know exactly where I'm going. Um, cause I've not walked through like an entrance on the ground level of the USA and gone through like the back downstairs hallways or anything like that. So once I got through the door, I'd be like, okay, now what? Like if you were to walk in trying to get up to the press box at, at, at the Jones, Michael, um, even if I told you which door to go through and you walked through it, you'd be like, okay, now what? Because oh, yeah. the, the elevator that you have to find is not really clear where it's at or it's not really marked or anything. You just kind of have to know or follow somebody that does know. Yeah, that's all I could think about the whole time you were saying this was how lost I would have been. If you hadn't been my guide at the Jones, I just would have been aimlessly wandering around in the parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, so I I assume that's that's what I I would be like the first game, um, especially since I'd probably have to park out at UMC and ride the shuttle over, anyways. Um, but yeah, so Vanilla Ice performing this weekend, home game Saturday, uh, first real home game since the students came back, um, and then next Tuesday night at TCU, so you get another instant reaction, um, regular show mashup. Following Saturday, home versus Kentucky, and then next the, the following Wednesday, home versus West Virginia. If you haven't picked up your ESPN Plus subscription, I guess you can wait until next Tuesday. But it's five dollars for the month. You got at least two games on there that you can watch. Um, obviously, anything else on ESPN Now or sorry, Big Twelve Now on ESPN Plus would be available for you to watch. If you just watch those two tech games, it's two fifty. Not a bad price for pay per view. All right, Michael. Anything else you want to wrap up with basketball before we move on to just a little bit of football news? No, I think that pretty much covers it. We'll uh, we'll see we'll see what Vanilla Ice does this Saturday. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's gonna be wild. All right, so. Um, Kind of in a surprising 
twist with um, Tom Herman clearing clearing house down there in Austin, firing basically all of his coaching staff and his coordinators. Uh, defensive coordinator Todd Orlando is hired here at Texas Tech as an assistant head coach and linebackers coach. Yeah, this was, you know, this was, we speculated on this in the Slack chat, and I think someone was talking about that and how he could possibly come in. And then we, I think we kind of dismissed it a little bit, thinking, well, then that sure is going to make Patterson feel like, or, or how's that, how would that dynamic work? Uh, you know, that was part of the issue. And then the other part of the issue was that Texas was, um, at the very bottom of passing defense, just the same as tech. So I'm not sure what that's actually going to fix. Uh, cause it's kind of the same. I, I don't know. <laughs> there may be more to that. I know that some, you know, the guys that were coaching DBs are either no longer here or they've been reassigned. And I think Patterson's taken over some of that himself. Yeah. I, I think Patterson is, is still listed as a defensive coordinator, but now he's a, the safeties coach which was uh, previously held by Kerry Cooks, uh, the guy that was, I guess, poached from the OU staff. Um, but I, I guess we're now understanding when a lot of the OU fans were like, good luck, uh, what they meant by that. Um, supposedly he was a pretty good recruiter, uh, was not credited with any specific recruited, recruits for Texas Tech. And obviously the... Defensive backfield for the Tech defense was the weakest unit on the field on either side. The quarterbacks coach still kind of up in the air. When we when we heard the Orlando news, we also heard that um, the quarterbacks coach from Texas may be joining him on this staff. Um, however, almost immediately that 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 little bit of news was walked back by the organization that broke it, um, which I think was football scoop who, and they do a great job following all the coaching changes. Um, I have not heard anything since then about who's going to be coaching quarterbacks. Um, but the, the assumption was that, uh, juice Brown as, as he's known and Kerry cooks were not going to be retained for this staff and that Wells was going to bring in Todd Orlando and then Naviar, um, or I'm sure I'm butchering that name, from Texas um, to help shore up the defensive backfield. Um, when when news first broke and we were thinking about, okay, we're going to have two defensive coordinators on the staff, um, my initial th- take, and it, it's... It, I, it's going to be this way until you know spring ball rolls around and we see how they how they work together. I would argue that Keith Patterson and or Todd Orlando are the best defensive coordinators you've had on staff since Ruffin McNeil. Maybe maybe you can make a case for Art Kaufman uh, under Tuberville in his final season. Um, so you would be you'd be happy to have either of them. You've got both of them on the staff. Um, and I don't know if this is a case where, um, oh gosh, it's that, the adage when they talk about having too many quarterbacks where, um, 
What do you mean, like too many too many cooks in the kitchen or something? Yeah, but like when they basically say like where two is none. Um, oh, oh, I don't know that. one. I don't know the exact phrasing. I'm, I'm gonna I, I mess it up anyways. But having two defensive coordinators on the staff um, may do more harm than good. Uh, it seems like both of their philosophies kind of gel, um, and I think it helps that Todd Orlando was not hired as a co-defensive coordinator, but as an assistant head coach and a linebackers coach, um, where Keith Patterson retains the defensive coordinator title. Um, he does change the position group he's coaching, and I wonder if that was a concession to get Orlando on staff. Um, you, you would expect one of these guys to move on after the 2020 football season. Uh, it's unlikely that you can amass coaching talent like Alabama does or like Chris Beard does on the basketball team where you get guys woefully under-titled to stay on, on your staff just because. You know, you get like defensive assistants that were defensive coordinators at other schools. Um, I think the best part is that in the termination process from University of Texas, that they are on the hook for the remainder of Orlando's salary, whatever Tech can't make up, to make sure that Orlando makes $1.7 million this season. Basically, Oh, I mean, that's nice. I mean, I, I don't know how much Texas Tech w- would pay Orlando. Um, but as an assistant head coach, not as a coordinator, I mean, he may make 400000 from tech, which is a lot for an assistant coach. That's not a a coordinator, but that also means that Texas is paying Orlando 1.3 million to coach against him. Yeah. I like the sound of that. I mean, I I know that tech is also paying coach Kingsbury. Who's also being paid very handsomely by the Arizona Cardinals association to not coach here, but at least he's not coaching against us. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's that's not bad. Uh, you know, maybe that's why they why they went for it too, because financially it made sense. And I know it wouldn't help you for next year's budget if you were operating under the assumption that Orlando was not going to be here. So you kind of divvied up his salary to everybody else, so everybody got a, a pay raise, and you basically said, "Here, Orlando, here's a dollar um, from us. Texas will cover the one point six nine nine left." <laughs> You'll still make your right. one point seven million. We're gonna pay you a dollar and split up your four hundred thousand between everybody else. When he leaves, though, that would kind of leave you in a in a hole since you couldn't then recall that salary back from the other coaches. Um, but it would be interesting just to, to kind of stick it to Texas, like, no, you're gonna pay his entire salary just because that's part of his contract with you guys, and it's hilarious. Yeah, we we can't pay him any more than than uh, one dollar. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, some more football news. Duffy was had announced he was transferring to to Tulane. To, to we all thought that would be a good fit. The starting quarterback from this past season graduated and was moving on. Um, would seem to fit their system. Would really dominate that conference. Um, it was all set for him to enroll in classes and, and, and get out there on Monday. Um, but then it was released... Not soon, not too much later after that, that um, Duffy was going to 
reopen his recruitment. Um, and then it was coming out that he was denied um, admission on academic issues. Yikes. Air quotes. Yeah, it it seems like there's... They've obviously looked into his... Um, well, his off-the-field record or issues that came up before he played at um, any... I don't think he played at all at Tech before that, right? I, mean, if he I did, think he was, was on the team, but I don't think he'd actually played a game. I mean, it would have been very minimal. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, they... It just seems like they're kind of... They're falling back on academics, and, and that's... It's strange because Duffy's transferring as a grad student and supposedly his, what is it? That, what, did, what do you take to get into grad school? Supposedly those test scores aren't high enough. And I, I don't know. I mean, how often does a, how often does a player like Duffy who has graduated college get denied admission because of academics? Yeah. It's not something you hear, especially after, He's announced that he's going there. Like, like it seemed like it was a done deal. Um, and then for the school to come out and say, no, actually, you're not going to make the cut. It seems like like what you were, you were saying, that they walked back their decision to, to let him in once more people got involved and probably said, hey, there, there's one too many red flags in his past. Yeah. Which is unfortunate I mean, for him that, that they let it get that far before they said no. I mean, it... it I'm I'm not opposed to Tulane saying no. We don't want Duffy like that. That's that's totally up to them. But to let it get to the point where like he's announced he's going there and all this all this stuff out in the public and then like oh no we're not gonna let you in is just unfortunate. Yeah, and he like you said I, I was excited. I was excited to see him there. I think he he would have done great things for that conference. I I, I don't know. It, it would have been. A, a really perfect fit for him. I, th- I thought cause he would immediately play and immediately dominate, but yeah, I, I don't like the fact that they walked it back either and allowed it to get to the point where he actually announced it. They both, I'm, I'm not sure if Tulane announced something or not, but Duffy did. And I know that there's no way that he would announce that without some sort of green light from someone, uh, within the Tulane organization school, yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk about the, the national championship game last night. Yeah. Do you, do you watch a little bit of that? Bury the lead. We're 42 minutes in and we're going to talk about the biggest college football game of the year. Now I watched all of it. Um, I was, I was just so sure that the Tigers were going to win. Um, (sighs) I'm sorry. I, I had to do that. And I was even annoyed with myself for thinking that, no, I, I was, I was really confident in, in LSU I thought they had the momentum, especially coming off their big win over Oklahoma. Um, not that Clemson was not riding a wave of momentum over the over their win, or with their win over Ohio State. Um, but all the storylines about Joe Burrow being basically the most efficient quarterback of all time uh, versus Trevor Lawrence, who just doesn't lose, um, all that kind of stuff. You get Clemson um, getting out to you know a little bit of a lead early on. LSU scrap, 
scratchers back in it. Very much like the AFC divisional game, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and then just kind of runs away with it. Um, it was an exciting game as a pseudo LSU fan. Uh, I've said this before, but I have a lot of family that goes to LSU. I've got cousins that are currently enrolled there. Um, I know my brother had had looked at transferring there at one point. Um, I had uncles and my grandfather, all of them that had gone to LSU. My uncle, actually, uh, the one of the cousins that are attending LSU, was actually on their on their uh, cheerleading team when he was in school, um, which is pretty cool. Like back when they had Mike the Tiger, like the live tiger on field, like they were. Oh in charge yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's got a cool picture with he and the the squad there on and around the cage with Mike in it. It's a really cool shot. Um, anyways, yeah. This also, we kind of mentioned last week, unofficially or officially marks our two-year anniversary with the 23 Personnel Podcast. Um, hooray for us. Go us. Yeah, we did it. We did it. And now we're done. That was it. We just said two years and that's it. Yeah, it was a two-year contract. We've run that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we will be doing some kind of giveaway and some some freebies probably. <laughs> that was a definite statement followed up by a maybe. Our plan is to to do some kind of printed stuff with the logo on it and and send it out to you guys. Um, some of our our most loyal listeners um, as a thank you, um, and then kind of in, in celebra- celebration of two years. But yeah, we started this thing after the national title game two years ago. I think it was like the same night or the night after. Um, yeah, I can't remember. It may, it may have been the night after. Yeah, because we've almost always recorded on Tuesday nights, and they play the game on Monday night. Yeah, so that's the only thing that makes me think it was the night after. Yeah. All right. Some of the most bizarre college football coaching news. Mike Leach, head coach at Mississippi State. He, oh. He's made it to the SEC. And the SEC West at that. Yes, he gets to face A&M every year. I mean, that sounds good. Facing, like, Alabama, uh, LSU. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. That was funny. I, I can't remember if it was his, his uh, introductory press conference or whatever. He, he basically said, I know I'm not supposed to like anything Ole Miss, but I like Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think he went on to kind of sarcastically sarcastically say something like yeah but they don't know how to coach or i forgot how he worded it but but yeah i i noticed that too and i i think um i i'm all about it i it's it's going to be great we get to just be spectators on the sidelines and just kind of see what happens i'm really hoping he kind of leans back into the the comments he made about a&m while he was at, at tech he had some some choice words for them here and there and uh, kind of made fun of them, poked fun and mostly lighthearted. But uh, anyway, I've, I, I think he's, he's going to get an even bigger spotlight now that he's in the sec and we're going to be seeing a whole lot more Mike Leach in our timelines and on sports center and wherever else he's speaking. Yeah. So he joins Mississippi state members of the sec West 
Um, he will have regular games versus LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Cross-divisional games he'll go up against Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Um, if Imagine you were, the SEC media days this year. It's, it's going to be wild with just, just he and Lane. Yes. Um, and, 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 <laughs> that's that's and, all you need. I mean, just the, the the spectrum of personalities, right, between Ed Orgeron, um, Nick Saban, Mike Leach, and Lane Kiffin. Like the four of those guys in the same room, like I, I would imagine Nick Saban would just get annoyed with them so fast. <laughs> I think he would too. Like, who is this jackass in this room with me right now? And at the same point, I could see, I could see Ed Orgeron getting along with any, probably any human being on the planet. So, off-season fishing trips to the Keys. Ed Orgeron, Mike Leach. Gosh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's ESPN plus. Come yeah. on. There's your show. There's a show right there. I, we will keep our subscriptions. If y'all somehow get Papa Ed and Mike Leach on a show together. Yeah. Um, and then we, we, we touched on it last week with, uh, Baylor losing Matt rule to the Carolina Panthers. Um, they, they're still in the midst of a coaching search it's looking that um, Baylor is starting to go after Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente. Um, he's considered the leading candidate, according to Pete Thamel. Um, yeah, that, that would be an interesting move. Uh, Fuente was the coordinator for TCU several years ago when they were real big with uh, Andy Dalton. Um, and then he went to, to Memphis uh, and is now at Virginia Tech. Is he the head coach at Virginia Tech? I believe so. Let me... See, this is what's crazy to me. My friend and Adam and I were talking about this tonight. The fact that, and Adam actually mentioned this, yes, that Baylor was on the doorstep of a death penalty three years ago, and now they've just lost their head coach. They have an 11-win team, and they're now poaching a head coach from Virginia Tech a coach from Virginia Tech. I mean, this was un- this would have been unthinkable in what 04, 05, whenever Michael Vick was there, that a Virginia Tech coach would even consider coming to Waco. Now, the the thing that I think helps him is his, his salary right now for Virginia Tech is listed as four million dollars. The salary for Matt Rule um, was rumored to be in the five million dollar range. So if if he's going to get anywhere near that Matt Rule money, I mean that's a that's a a million dollar bump, um, going from it's, the it's, ACC to the Big Twelve. Just weird. Yeah, so he his coaching career uh, started off at Illinois State as a quarterbacks coach, then moved up to their OC quarterbacks coach. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight was a running backs coach for TCU. Two thousand nine through two thousand eleven was the co offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for TCU. Like I said, that would have been with. Uh, Andy Dalton leading up until their their entrance into the Big 12. Then was a head coach at Memphis for four years, 2012 to 2015, and then since 2016 has been with Virginia Tech. Um, he's been the ACC Coach of the Year, uh, was the AAC Coach of the Year. He was the 
American Conference champion um, in 2014 with Memphis. He is their only name that I really heard um, not a part of the current staff linked to this Baylor opening. And what's interesting, though, is it's how long it's taking Baylor to do this. Um, you would assume that most athletic directors have a short list of guys they're interested in. Um, even when you get surprised with a, a coaching departure like Rule going to the NFL kind of late, that the athletic director can move fairly quickly with his short list. Um, it's been a week, and we really haven't heard much else besides Joey McGuire um, and now Justin Fuente. I don't know what to take of that. Um, I mean, what that would do for Baylor, I, I think it's if if they were able to get Fuente, they, they, you're getting a guy that has a lot more experience and skins on the wall than than a Joey McGuire, even though he was, um, you know, on the staff for a long time and got some real in-state connections with high school. Um, but yeah, we're still interested to see how that plays out. Obviously, would love to see Matt Campbell get hired away somewhere else, um, go be a offensive coordinator for Illinois State or something. I don't care. <laughs> Just anywhere but a head coach in the Big 12. Um, Definitely has our number. Yeah, strangely. And it's it's been that way for several years, basically since he got there. Aside from that, he's just been you know decent. Yeah. Besides owning Texas Tech, he's he's done. He's okay. he's done okay. Yeah. You know who he did more than just okay though? It was Pat Mahomes. Oh, our guy, our, our guy, our boy, Patty Ice. This weekend, um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it by now, but they hosted the Houston Texans in the AFC divisional round playoff game. Got. Got down 24 nothing, um, 20 minutes into the game. With 10 minutes to go in the second quarter, um, they were down 24 points. They erased that to take a 28-24 lead into halftime and then ended up defeating the Texans 51-31. They went on a streak of 41 unanswered points there in the middle of that game. It was such a wild stretch to go from feeling that the Texans had the game at hand and then this 41-point swing to then feeling like the Chiefs had it in hand, which they did. They, they ended up winning the game by, by 20. Um, but to be down by 24 and then to win a game by 20, like that's worse feeling than when Tech had a 17-point lead against like a, Oklahoma State <laughs> and lost Kansas. the game by 17. Because um, that was a 34-point swing. This is a 44-point swing. In an NFL playoff game. I think it was the, the, there were so many records. I think that was a record that was the largest point swing ever in an NFL game. Uh, Mahomes threw for four TDs in a quarter, which ties a couple of playoff records. And and that's not like, like he scored a touchdown on a drive that, ended at the very beginning of the quarter and then at the very end of the quarter. Like no, it was they didn't four have the touchdowns. Ball, like you said, yeah, there's 10 minutes left, right? Yeah, like uh, three of them came within like a three-minute stretch on the clock. That's right. <laughs> well, And the other thing, too, was they. this is the first team since a Brett Favre team to, to score touchdowns in a playoff games on, uh, I think it was seven consecutive drives. It was, it was either six or seven consecutive drives. And that was from 07 or 09 or whenever Favre, you know, did that for the Packers. It was 
those are just a few of the records I saw. Uh, 51 is the highest score that the Chiefs have ever scored in a playoff game. I think they scored 44 at some point. I was out running errands at the end, so I got to hear the uh, the KFYO guys. They simul here in town. They simulcast the all of the Chiefs broadcast 1340, uh, the fan on AM or Talk 1340. Sorry. So if if y'all want to check that out, that's always great because you get. It. I like a good Homer broadcast. It's 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 great. Uh, you know, I love listening to Sham for the Cowboys. He's I don't know. He's it's he's very comforting to listen to, and he's he gets disgusted just like you do. Um, I can't think of the guy with the Chiefs, but they're they're great to listen to as well. So anyway, they were going through rattling off some stats at the end, and what they were able to accomplish was just nothing short of extraordinary. I, I can't imagine a scenario where this type of game ever happens again. Well, for those loyal Texans fans who were hoping for the departure of Bill O'Brien, this game may have been the camp, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, he has not been fired as of yet that I know of, but it would seem that um, this would help kind of assure that outcome, that Bill O'Brien would be fired after being up 24 points to then lose a playoff game by 20. In a professional sport. <laughs> In, yeah. a, in a game where, in, where it's in professional not like football. that it was decided by some kind of key injury, right? It's not like they lost Deshaun Watson, um, Kenny Stills, um, their running backs. Like I'm blanking on his name. It's a Carlos Hyde. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't keep up with the Texans. I don't follow the Texans either. Um, the zombie Oilers. <laughs> the Oilers. <laughs> Um, anyways, so our boy Patty Ice moving on to host the AFC Championship game next week versus the Titans, um, the six-seeded Titans, actually. They're the, the, the last wild-card team to make it in. Um, they took care of the Ravens last weekend. Then you, you're Which these, was completely unexpected. No, and then you're getting all these weird comparisons where they're saying two former Big 12 players are going to go up against each other with Ryan Tannehill and Pat Mahomes, but... It's it's weird that they're one, they're looking back at, at former Big Twelve, and they call him a quarterback. But Tannehill hardly played quarterback at A and M. He was mostly a receiver. He did play some backup quarterback, but I don't know if he ever started for them. For the Aggies as a quarterback in the Big Twelve. Anyways, he's he's now with the Titans. Well, and it doesn't have as much cachet to it that they never faced each other. Obviously, they're no, years big, apart. Yeah, they weren't even camp. in the conference at the at the time Mahomes was there. So that's just kind of a weird comparison to make. Now they're they're, you know, both. Well, I wouldn't say West Texas because Pat Mahomes is from White House and it was more East Texas. Um, anyways, the 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 thing that I think would concern me as a pseudo no sorry lifelong Chiefs stand here would be trying to contain Derrick Henry, monster running back. Yes. Yes, definite concern. Uh, but when you've got Patty Ice behind center, I mean, it's hard. It, it, it's hard to lose a lot of confidence. Anything can happen. And, you know, speaking of that, what is it, the Chiefs-Titans game, you, you know, I, I'm not even sure what the line is, but if I had some money on the game, I would probably go ahead and put it on the Chiefs and – 
I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting money on it. So sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup. Sometimes I'm just betting on my team because, hey, they're my team. So if you're going to bet this season, you should do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. You can use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Go Chiefs. Yes, go Chiefs. Sorry for interrupting you with a cough there. It just, this thing, just can't kick it. You can't, man. I feel for you. That's that that stinks. I haven't been like like you said earlier. I mean, it, I don't know when the last time I was that sick for that long. It's been a while. It's yeah. It's it's nuts, man. Um, it seems like as soon as we teased it, Keith Patrick was like, you know what? It's time. Um, Dinger Derby podcast released an episode late last week. I guess it was Thursday morning. Um. It is a, it's listed as a fall recap. Um, let's be honest, he, he released it in, in, in January. Um, but he also goes over the schedule. But he's joined um, by Dr. Mike Gustafson and George Watson to break down the fall camp, the Red and Black Series. They talk rosters and newcomers and then look over the 2020 schedule. Um it's it's a time commitment here of of just over two hours, but anything with Keith Patrick and those guys, Mike Gustafson, George Watson, it's quality content. We'll keep you entertained, get you ready. Baseball is exactly a month away from today. Uh, first pitch is on Valentine's Day versus Houston Baptist, February 14th. Be sure to download that episode, give it a listen, break it up if you have to. Um Two hours, yeah, I, plenty of content to 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 get you going and and start those those juices flowing for baseball season. Yeah, and it's easily structured in a way where you can break it down because, like you said, they kind of go through fall camp and the red and black series and and the schedule itself. Uh, you know, players that have transferred that they think they're really going to kind of miss, or uh, you know, guys that are no longer on the roster that. It's just amazing to hear these three talk because I am, you know, a very passive baseball fan, as as most of y'all know who listen. And the intricate details that the three of them can recall at different times when they're talking about Omaha or when they're talking about a playoff series, when they're talking about a game in 1997 or something. I mean, that it's it's just a lot of fun to listen to them. So even if you're like me and you're not a wealth of baseball knowledge, especially Texas tech baseball. Uh, it's still a great listen because these guys just, they just enjoy talking baseball and you can tell. Yeah. It, it's, it's a great episode. Be sure to check it out. Um, quickly, let's get to, let's get to your questions. We had two, um, of our regulars tweet at us this evening. Red, red reset, man. Um, brings up something that we haven't actually talked about yet with the King news that dropped yesterday. Would you want him to transfer to tech? He's referring to the quarterback from Houston, Derek King announcing he was entering the transfer portal, uh, which is interesting because basically at the beginning of the season before he hit his four game mark, he decided to 
to sit out and redshirt this season. And it looked like it was a move from Holgerson to kind of stack the deck for this upcoming year to get his best players, um, one, to learn his system, to to be healthy and and get ready to go for the 2020 season. Um, The looks of it, it, it's backfired. Derek King is leaving Houston. Um, So Red Reset Man asks, would we be interested in him transferring to Tech? Um, we need quarterback depth after Bowman gets hurt three games into the season, which I hope is tongue in cheek. And MacGyver hasn't played since the second game of his senior season. Looks like a fragile quarterback room. So Michael, let's say you, would you want Derek King transferring to tech? <sighs> he, he brings up a good point. I, I mean, who else, who else, who else does tech have? We've, uh, the, the kid, the kid from Eastland doesn't come until 2021, yeah. right? Baron Morton would be here next spring. Uh, Donovan Smith is coming in from Friendship. But okay. He, he would be a true freshman. Sure. Um, hasn't played I mean, quarterback full-time very long. He, he played this season and did very well. Um, I'm sure Keith Patrick would, would, would tell us all about what great things he was able to do as he watched every game. Uh, of Donovan Smith's this season, um, but yeah, your your quarterback room, like like Redder Resentman points out, is, is thin. You've got um, Bowman, who hasn't played a, a full season yet because of injury issues. The freshman that came in behind him redshirted this year because of an injury. Supposedly was going to be competing for a starting job, but I, I don't know how much talk to put into that. You got an incoming freshman who hasn't played quarterback full time for very long. Um, although he's a coach's son, it will be, you know, a coach that is on the Texas Tech staff and did really well this past season. Um, now it does seem kind of like a foregone conclusion that a, a, a grad transfer quarterback pops up that they're going to land in Norman. Um, and supposedly there was some, uh, kind of snide sarcastic remarks from, uh, Gary Patterson and Mike Gundy saying, Oh well, we know where he's going to go. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, he's going to end up in in Norman. Uh, and then Brian made this joke. I don't know if it was on Twitter or in the Slack chat, but that Lincoln Rally needs to, to prove to everybody that he can he can recruit and coach up his own dang quarterback <laughs> instead of grabbing everybody else's. Yeah, I, I, Man, I can't decide. I can't decide if I'd want him on there or not. And I'm trying to find out how many years of eligibility he has left. Do you know? Just I one. Ass- I would assume he just has a. He just has one. There's not many grad transfers that have multiple years left. I think I would be open to it. I would be open to it. Why not? I mean, he might even. He could possibly win the starting job from Bowman if that were to happened but man this staff sure is they they sure are dedicated to to Bowman so I'm I'm not quite sure but I think I would welcome it sure come on come on in watched him um you know luckily tech got up to enough of a lead but he started to torch tech pretty good in Lubbock and then the year before they threw him in at the end of the game in Houston and he about won it for him <laughs> Yeah, uh, King graduated from Houston on December 14th. This is from an ESPN article when he announces intended to transfer. 
meaning he would be eligible to play next season regardless of where he lands. He will have one season of eligibility remaining as a redshirt senior. During his Houston career, King has accounted for more than 7,000 yards across multiple positions, including nearly 5,000 passing yards. His best season came in 2018, his first as primarily a quarterback, when he accounted for 50 touchdowns, third best in the FBS that season, threw for nearly 3,000 yards, and rushed for almost another 700. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be I'd be okay if you want to add a talented, experienced quarterback to your room. Um, I'm not sure if, if his style of play is necessarily what um, David Yost is looking for. Uh, I'm sure that he would be given the freedom to to run a whole lot more than we saw Duffy do this season, assuming there's there's healthy depth behind him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't think he would automatically walk in as as a starter. He would be competing for the starting position, and I think right. I think competition is enough to kind of not scare away, but to keep away a lot of grad transfer quarterbacks because they're not looking to go somewhere to compete and then sit their last year of eligibility. I think they want to go somewhere where they know they've got a better than good shot at starting and playing as a starting quarterback. And I, I just don't think that Yost, Wells, and Texas Tech can offer that to King. Yeah, I, I don't think you can. And and that may be, I would imagine that's what King's looking for. He's looking for the, the Jalen Hurts deal. He's looking for the, I, I want to show up and practically be guaranteed a spot because when you're that talented and you are, uh, and you want to, you know, this is your last year to basically audition for the NFL. You want to make it count. And I don't think Wells would guarantee that to him. I don't think he should necessarily, but there are probably teams out there who would and who who need King there, and they don't feel as confident in their current starting quarterback. But I, I think Yost and Wells are pretty, pretty joint at the hip with Bowman. So if it came down to them, Deciding it, I I'm with you. I think they would they would tell him the truth and and say he'd have to compete. And there may be places elsewhere where he could play immediately and and earn that starting position with 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 ease. Yeah. So the the guy waiting in the wings up there in Norman Spencer Rattler is supposed to be really good, um, and he may be good enough again to kind of deflect any of those grad transfer. Uh, guys that are looking to land somewhere uh, just because I don't think even though with the success that Lincoln Riley has had with grad transfer quarterbacks that he could again offer that kind of position to Derek King um, although it's kind of a foregone conclusion that a talented grad transfer quarterback pops up he's going to, to, to the Sooners um, uh, last question Peter Puente says am I the only one who thinks Shannon is a huge part of the offense going back to basketball absolutely um, hey, since that Nepal game up in Chicago, he's been a big piece of of scoring and igniting the offense. You you felt his absence the past couple of games. Uh, he goes on to say, Ramsey gets all the love and points, but when he was out, Shannon was incredible, especially against Nepal. I think he's the best driver we have, and defers to Jr. too much. Um, one, I I think I think deferring and passing. Uh, is a good thing to have, especially in a motion offense. But I think we're still trying to find that balance where 
we're not just throwing the ball around for the sake of throwing the ball around to move the ball in a motion offense. Yeah. There's been several times tonight even uh, where you had shot clock violations because the guys that were throwing the ball around were passing up open shots. And it wasn't, I wasn't sure why, you know, it's not that Davide Moretti was looking for a wide open shot. Like he had space enough to get off several shots and he passed it up. Um, there was one down low where they threw the ball down into Holyfield on, on the low post. Basically, all he had to do was turn around and, and lay it up or, you know, a little hook shot or whatever. But with two seconds on the shot clock, clock fires it back outside to Edwards, who, you know, has to try to force a shot um, and then ends up getting hit with a shot clock violation because he didn't get it off in time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Shannon plays a big part of the offense. I also think, in general, the offense can be a little bit more um, selfish. Maybe it's not the right word. And I'm not saying that you should be settling for, for jump shots. That's not what this what this team needs. Um, but we need more more aggression, more drives, um, and not passing up open shots when, when you when you do have them. Um, and we saw Shannon was able to do some of that. Um, we hope to get him back in the lineup here pretty soon. It looked like he was going to come in tonight. Um, I would assume he'd be ready to go for this weekend's game since he almost got into in t- tonight's game. Um, and then obviously if you get Ntombwe and Tyreek Smith back anytime soon, the rotation is going to be just off the chart, just deep with talent. Um, I think that'll do it for yeah. questions tonight, Michael, unless you have something else to add. No, I mean, Shannon was, he's, he's been missed big time. Cause he is that spark. He can, um, you know, he can create something out of nothing off the dribble. I, I do. I, that DePaul game, we've talked about it on here too. That was just a, a fun game to watch. He also, I think he exploded during that Oklahoma state game. Of course, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of tech players did, uh, but I've I've been uh, I know that he has been missed big time offensively. So it like you said, it looks like he should be able to get back in the game against Iowa State at least a little bit, and then I'd I'd really look for him uh, against TCU. But you know not to not to emphasize or anything that TCU should be a it, TCU should be a winnable game. So if if you've got a guy that who may be trying to work himself back into the lineup physically, that that may be a good place to drop him in. All right. So Michael, what did we learn this week? Well, the only thing I really learned was I got a Chromebook and it doesn't come with a caps lock button. And that is, I've I've loved everything about this Chromebook except for that fact, and that fact has driven me insane because I have. I use cap locks way more than I think I do. I have all these random passwords now I have to type and I'm trying, I try to make some emphasized points on our Slack chat or something here and there. And the only way you can get caps lock to pop up is to hit alt and then the search button, which is where the caps lock button is. Why do they have a search button? That's just strange. I don't, I don't know. It's it's under the tab button and above the shift button, and there's a button. It's just a search button. So I don't know me how, how many times this week I've hit that search button thinking it's cap lock, and 
I just can't get used to it. Anyway, end of rant because this little I, I used some Christmas gift cards. I pulled some of those together and got a little two hundred and fifty dollar Chromebook and it's got the tab you know, it can convert to a tablet, it's a laptop, it's it's great. I'm I'm loving the heck out of it, but this is taking some getting used to. What about you? What'd you learn? Well, I haven't been able to play as much farming simulator as I've wanted to this week. <laughs> Going back to work has, has really put a damper. And uh, the time I've been able to commit um, to playing, still love the game. It's, it's again, uh, inexplicably one of my favorite games that I've probably ever played. Um, and I don't have any... Um, any experience growing up in the ag community like you did, but it's still something that spoke to me. I don't know. Completely Um, satisfying. There's, there's just something about working the digital soil. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea, but I am in the middle of my, my first full harvest of cotton on my, uh, on my second game. Um, I've got so many fields going. I've, I've got three cotton strippers going. Um, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know. It's enjoyable. I've 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 put in, you know, I probably played about an hour this afternoon, uh, because I, I, had, I had a training at work that wrapped up about three o'clock, so I was able to get out of there a little early and come home before the family was ready, and um, was able to do that before, you know, getting ready for dinner and the basketball game and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just something that I'm, I'll probably be, be playing for, for for quite some time. Yeah, me too. And I don't know if I should tell you this, but they have a mobile version. I don't know and if I the, needed to know that. The mobile version is, I think it seems like they kind of do this every other year thing. So if it's an odd year, I think that's when they release the full-blown, you know, super detailed, uh, all these different things you can do they they release the console and pc versions on odd years but then they release a mobile version on the even years so uh farm sim 20 is out and i bought it for six dollars on the <laughs> play store nice and have have been playing with that on my tiny little <laughs> i've got the s10e so it's even got the smaller screen i'm terrible at it at the controllers i've, I've gotten a little better at controlling it and it's, I mean, it's hardcore because there are no contracts, so you can't make money off of contracts. Um, you are given some land, you can't sell it. That I can, that I can figure out how. Uh, you have a lot less equipment to choose from. You can't lease equipment. You can only buy equipment. Uh, so I, I think it's it's one of those that if I would have played that first, I don't know if I'd have liked it as much but having played the full-blown version and knowing that this is okay this is like a stripped down version of it where you're just you're really limited in what you can do but you could still do all the livestock stuff you can still do all the animals and everything it's it's just it's tweaked slightly different for mobile um and the other thing you can buy money (laughs) you can uh you can i forget what the i think like a dollar gives you I need to look I may look it up while we're on here but I think a dollar gives you 100,000 
dollars in the game, something like that, which I have not done that, Spencer, just for the record. I have not spent money to 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 buy money to buy equipment in the mobile game. Uh, I have I have bought some DLC for the Xbox game. Oh, you're hearing it starting up. Sorry. Um so <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to see real quick, um, because it's just so bizarre to me. I've heard about people doing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you just buy a, f- a few things on these mobile games, and the next thing you know, you're you have like a forty-five dollar, you know, monthly bill for this. So anyway, oh, okay, here's what you can do. So for for ninety-nine cents, you can get two hundred thousand coins, which is you know that's just the monetary thing that they use in the mobile game. So two hundred thousand dollars. So for ninety-nine cents, you could get you a, you know a pretty nice tractor <laughs> for five for a dollar 99 you can get half a million or for 2.99 you can get a million coins and i'm sure you can buy more than one of those at a time if you really want to but i am i am doing everything in my power to not do that where, where are you finding the time to also play this on your phone <laughs> lunch break all right and you would be surprised you know you can um since you can assign workers to do stuff, you can, you know, you can queue it up on the phone and, you know, you've got a field to harvest. Just get the worker to harvest that field and he'll take care of it while you're driving home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I don't know if I'll, if I'll spend the six bucks to buy the game um, for the phone. but You probably shouldn't. But maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. All right, that'll do it for us on the 23 Personal Podcast. We will see you guys again next week. Until then, reckon. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Mm-hmm.